Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills preview podcast here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. A new recording venue tonight. Maybe this will help change some of our luck. We're in the uh, wonderful home of the lovely Miss Cassie Ozark. And joining us tonight, uh, back after a week-long hiatus, uh, is Billy the Kid Nichols. Feels really good. Great to see you guys' faces again. Ready for a win this week. Yeah, nice short week, which makes coming off of a tough game uh, a little easier to deal with, and then we don't have to wait a whole seven days. Uh, Cass, thanks so much for having us into, into your home tonight. Uh, how are you feeling uh, coming into this Thursday matchup? Looking forward to a thirsty Thursday. Okay, good. I think we all are. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a time. Uh, Ralph Wilson Stadium sold out this Thursday night against the uh, Miami Dolphins, our only primetime game of this year, and I think our first primetime game since 2010. If I recall correctly, we did not have a single one all last season. You can find us at BillsAndBeers.com. That'll take you right to our Facebook page. Uh, You can tweet us at BillsAndBeers. But thank you for listening to our podcast. Tell a friend and go Bills. How about that Patriots game, huh? feels like every year, at least once a year, we have a game against the Patriots that, uh, by all accounts, we probably should have won. We're sitting here right now on Cassie's couch watching the replay on the NFL Network. And actually, I forgot about that drop that we just saw from Welker where he was nothing but daylight between him and the end zone. That was, of course, right after uh, Brian Scott uh, dropped the should-have-been interception on the very first drive of the game. So the final play of the game where Fitzpatrick threw the interception has been dissected to no end by uh, members of Bill's Nation. And by all accounts, T.J. Graham ran the wrong route. But, um, Bill, I have to regret. Um, I, I thank you for not punching me in the face because my new response to watching the Bills has been just to vocalize all of the the bad omens that I feel coming. And uh, I said right before the last drive, you know what? Fitzpatrick has had a hell of a game. And if history has shown us anything, he's going to have a hell of a game, but, and this past Sunday, that but was the interception in the end zone that lost us the game. Now, am I wrong for saying that out loud? Is Fitz the ass here because he just simply can't get it done? Or is this just another case of bad Bill's luck? I mean, you're definitely wrong for saying it out loud because, you know, no matter what, we're all thinking it. I appreciate the fact that you're trying something different these past couple of weeks and you're actually vocalizing whatever you were thinking. Uh, however, I don't know if there was enough proof uh, within your uh, what was coming out of your mouth and what was in your mind because uh, you definitely didn't say any everything that you were thinking because there were definitely a lot of scenarios that we – uh, you were probably thinking bad things were going to happen where they didn't end up happening. But oh, you didn't yeah. end up oh many. It. No, and I did. Many, many times I vocalized. I said, oh, I just feel a pick six coming on here. And then we get like a first down third to Donald Jones. So I was wrong a lot of the time in the game. And that's another reason I said it out loud. I was like, well, every time I've said it out loud, I've been wrong thus far. But alas, I was not. Either way, uh, it doesn't make a difference because <laughs> that was probably bound to happen anyway. That's yeah. that's the thing. Being a Bills fan this season, you're like, it's bound to happen. So I'd, r- I'd, just- rather, I'd rather not hear it. Because uh, I'm thinking it, and I just I, I would rather keep it up in my head and and 
not have to hear the... So is this a public service announcement for Bills fans everywhere that the negativity is just old and nobody really likes to hear it? Billy, you tell the classic story about your dad finally telling off the season ticket holder near your seats. I mean, and as Bills fans, we, we had that guy who came to the Bills bar two weeks ago who was just throwing a tantrum the whole time. And, like, he bragged he's been a Bills fan since, like, 65 and, like, used to go to the original Rockpile games. But about... Three quarters of the way through the game, wanted to turn to him. Was like, "Look, man, I get you've been a Bills fan for a long time, but that doesn't excuse the fact that you're a complete jack off." Well, it's like uh, you know, it's like you know, think of a relationship, right? A married couple, and you know, after thirty years of being married, it's constant bickering, bickering, bickering. And you know, what the best thing to do is probably to get a divorce. And so the question is, are we ready to, as fans, divorce ourselves from our team? And the answer is no. Right, because we love our team, but it just brings us this heartbreak day in and day out. So, you know, either you accept it and you deal with it, you accept the fact that listen, we're going to be frustrated, our team sucks, and let's try to find the positives, or you just are miserable every single week. Now, uh, Cassie, joining us tonight, uh, so far not a sonic appearance on our episode, uh, but your lovely fiance Jay is here with us tonight here on the couch. Yay! Uh, so, Cassie, on the topic of divorce. Yeah, so I can't divorce my bills, can't divorce my fiancé. Um, yeah, no, the answer, it, it's too hard. But the one thing I would say, no matter what, no matter all the griping and the complaining, we all still show up every <laughs> Sunday with optimism, looking to have a good time. Well, and the, here's how I frame it, too, and we were talking about this before, is that, and I, I almost feel like sad and pathetic for saying this, but it's true. It, and that every year, like the best five seconds are, of my year is the five seconds right before kickoff on opening Sunday. Cause you know that anything can happen and you, and you know that there, there won't be a, another time throughout the rest of the year where you don't have more Buffalo Bills football ahead of you to watch. And the same thing goes, and I think that we've talked about it also before, with only 16 games in the schedule, you get 16 chances if your team doesn't make the playoffs to watch them every year. Like, if you care to watch, you're going to be there because you don't want to miss a play. And it, you know what? This is only going to make, when we do win <laughs> that Super Bowl, it is going to taste so sweet yeah. and so good. And you know, we'll look back at these moments and be like, remember when, remember when, remember when? And it will just be like, all right. We got our ring. We won our championship. Now we my, all got wasted in Buffalo together. Now, my other question is, are there Cleveland Browns fans somewhere having this exact same conversation, or is this unique to Bills Nation? I know a few Cleveland Brown fans. I think they're, they're in a worst-case scenario. They're more depressed. They've never really gotten there. They've never had a taste of it. They've never been a part of really something that's been winning or has been, you know, a well-known franchise because yeah. of pulling together four yeah. trips to yeah, Super had, Bowl. had a Hall of Fame owner, coach, GM, defensive end, quarterback, and running back, and a Hall of Fame wide receiver candidate now for many years, and special teamers all on the same team. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know if they have the same optimism that we have, whether or not it's it's warranted, right? Right. I think we sort of we hold on to it so much because it's all we have. Are you saying Cleveland's a inherently better city than Buffalo? No, I think, but Cleveland does have the Indians and the Cavs <laughs> and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, we have Canada. Let's be <laughs> forget. That's true. Um, so uh, let me give you a multiple choice question. Please. Okay. Uh, what is the biggest problem on our team? 
And there's no, there's no, uh, there's no Lars like I'm gonna take all of the above or any kind of bullshit like that. Actually, you're gonna okay. go F. <laughs> <laughs> okay, A. Chan Gailey. Okay. B. Buddy Nix. C. Dave Wanstead. Or D. Ralph Wilson. Wow. Wow, those are hard names to choose from. Um, <laughs> Cassie, do you have an idea? I really think that all of the above is looking yeah. real good right now. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. Like, I can't fault Nick's because... Okay, here's why I can't fault Nick's. And it's, it's, it's topical as of today. Aaron Maven was waived today from the New York Jets. Never, so long as Buddy Nix is GM, will we have a first-round pick that's not a lifer. Now, unless Marcel Darius gets his act together, loses about 20 pounds, and gets over his dead brother, I could be eating those words in about a year or so. But we will never have just, like, total, like, we'll never have another C.J. Ahi. We'll never have another John Wendell. Like, like these, with these idiots, these scrubs that we drafted, I think the era of that Bill's... Bill's dynasty is thankfully over, so I can't blame Buddy Nix because I think at worst he's a constant B to B plus in his in terms of his personnel. I also cannot blame Chan Gailey. How could you possibly blame Chan Gailey when our team has the best offense in the league, and that's clearly his his mo. Uh, our our team has the best offense in the league. W- one of, I mean, <laughs> I mean. I, yeah, oh we God. do. I like mean, I, I, scoring wise, yard wise. How, how can you not blame Chan Gailey? This is his team. Correct. I, 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 no matter what, the buck stops at him. And I, I, I was, I was going to say, but also he's also the one who hired Wanstat and has to work with him and has to scheme. So I hear that, and I don't want to blame Ralph because I don't want to be trite because that's what everybody says. So I guess it's got to be Dave Wanstat. It's got to be Dave Wanstat. I go, I go, Chan. Easily all the way because the one the one biggest issue now is after the slide at the end of last year and this entire season, how can any of those guys in the locker room look to him to be the coach or to resurrect the team or guide them into a future of winning? It's not he he can't do it. He hasn't done it yet, and so I think he's already been written off by all those players in the locker room. What do you think, Bill? Yeah. Uh... I actually well here's the thing so with Buddy and Buddy Nix hired Chan Gailey, right? Right? Yeah. So so if you and say well, well then Ralph hired Buddy Nix. So I mean yeah. I mean if we're gonna do the, if we're gonna play the buck stop here's I mean it's got to be Ralph. But I don't know what kind of impact an owner can be expected to have on his team. I don't. I, I think I think it's a myth. Who, who calls the day to day? Who's there day to day? Who insta- in, puts rules and says these are the plays we're gonna call? I mean that all falls down on Chan Gailey. So. You know, I understand, yeah, he was hired by somebody, but he's hired by somebody to do a job that he's not doing. I, yeah, I guess. I don't know. We saw it on Sunday, though. So our team scored 31 points, and Buddy Nix famously said in an uh, interview recently, how many damn points need to score to win the game, okay? If we're scoring 34, 31 points, we should be winning games. And they showed some graphic, uh, I don't know if it was – during highlights or if it was towards the end of the game, we've now lost games this year scoring 31, 34, 28 points. I mean, that is – and if that's Chan Gailey's area of expertise, you can't fault him. So you got to look at the defensive side of the ball. And as we all observed on Sunday, Nick Barnett was getting absolutely picked on out there. And it, but it, So it almost seems as though 
our defense is set up to the to the point where like everybody must do his role, and if you don't do your role, it, it's not going to work. And it seems as though if we have one or two guys not picking up the slack on one play, it all goes to hell. And on Sunday, that person seemed to be Nick Barnett consistently. So I don't know how you plan for that because you can only play with the players you have, and if he's the best player we have. Uh, uh, what was our linebacking core last year? Uh, last year we were still technically in three four, right? Yeah, yeah. So it would have been, uh, I mean, it would have been Moats, Shepard, uh, Morrison was was th- we haven't he hasn't even been activated this year. Kel- wasn't Kelsey lining up? In Kelsey the was a, as outside linebacker for a while. Merriman was in there for a little bit before he got hurt. It's pretty much the same guys this year. I mean, there's been no additions. Barnett was here last year, right? We haven't added anybody except for. Uh, Nigel Bradham, yeah, we've we, we've had, we've added nobody of consequence to the linebacking core, which has been consistently pointed at by by most folks as one of the weaknesses of our entire team. So maybe that falls by the Knicks. Who knows? I, I don't know. I feel like if you look at some of the best defensive teams in the league, you know what do they all have? They all have, you know, pretty good defensive linemen, but very good linebacking. I see. I still maintain, though, that I think that we were expecting much more out of Marcel Darius, and we're not getting this year. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that a lot of our problems stem with him. That we were looking for him to be a disruptive, dominant force, and he has. He's that maybe for the first quarter and a half, but then he runs out of steam real fast. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's whenever I watch these other teams play, I see these no-name guys who are just as no-name guys as our guys, and you know they look like a bunch of athletes, and they play together. And whether it's scheme, you want to say scheme, or it's you know someone's motivating them, uh, I I just find it uh, find it hard to blame it on our talent, uh, and it, man, more so just think it's a uh, result of of coaching and the players just not truly believing in in the uh, in the system. So you think it's you think it's exclusively a coaching issue then? I wouldn't say exclusively, but I think that that would be that that would be where I would put most of the blame. Yes. Okay. And and Bill and I were talking earlier. I mean, when you look at the NFL and you look at players across the board, they're all pretty exceptional athletes. Right. You would say the degree of difference between a lot of these players isn't that much. You know, you do have the exceptional athletes, but you know, across the board. What does make these players different? Different is the coaching, you know, that brings them together, the play calling, the inspiration that you know they're obviously getting from wherever that's coming from. You know, the the pride in the team, or at least the pride in their paycheck they're trying to get every week. You know, I just some of that is definitely lacking. Okay, fair enough. Well, we do have the Dolphins coming up here in just two nights. Uh, it'll be the, the night after this podcast uh, post. We'll, we'll get it out there on Wednesday night. Uh, so enough with this. Uh, we can't spend the whole season looking in the rearview mirror, especially since Cassie, we are still in the hunt. So uh, as we looked to, toward the season, we saw the Dolphins uh, as being bottom of the barrel along with the Jets, and uh, now we sit one game behind the Dolphins uh, with uh, looking at them. Is that right? I would even go so far as to say it was it was a league-wide consensus that yeah. the Dolphins were the down-and-out losers of the offseason, and we were quite the opposite. Yes. 
And now here we are. So here we are. Uh, and it's one of those things. We've, we, we normally match up pretty well against the Dolphins. We've had, we've had a, a decent amount of success, at least in the AFC East. Uh, we are at least 500 against the Dolphins, but Not I would say we're probably... Not has been on board, but yes. Right, in the past, I don't, I don't past think, five years. I don't think we've beaten them since Chang Haley's come on board, but yeah. Past five years, yes, you are right. Sorry. So we really don't... Uh, it's at least a... Uh, we should feel more comfortable than we would against the Jets uh, or the Patriots, but we really don't know what to expect. We could end up playing them, you know, the, what Dolphins team, I guess, are we going to see and what Bills team yeah. are we going to see is what it comes down to. And, yeah. and, and at least what we've been talking about, the Bills have been in a lot of games, scored a lot of points. We haven't, besides the San Francisco game, I don't think we've really gotten blown out. No. Right? So, but the Dolphins have. Yeah. I mean, there's games where they haven't even shown up. And then there's games where they've blown out their opponent. So I think it's all going to come down to who shows up and how we game plan against that. Uh, some quick internet research shows that... Uh, By the way, quick internet <laughs> research. Quick in podcast turns. Tw- yeah. Took us 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shows that the Buffalo Bills have not won a primetime game since week 12 of the 2001 season. The 2000, during the 2001 season, Bill was a freshman in college. I was a senior in high school, and Cassie was a sophomore in college. Uh, as we mentioned before, we're sitting in the room with Jay. Uh, Cassie had not yet met Jay. I had not met Cassie, therefore had not met Jay, and I had not met Bill. None of us knew each other then. I didn't know my wife then. Uh, I was still living in my you parents' star, house then. You were a star water polo player? That was December, right? Was it week 12? Week 12. Yeah, that was probably right after I got the call that I had been accepted to go play water polo at Bucknell. Yeah, it's been a long time. I think, it was, I think it was the last time I started a soccer game for the DePaul Blue Demons. There you go. There you go. So um, that's what we're up against this week, folks. Uh, a whole lot of history not in our favor. Uh, playing against this Ryan Tannehill-led Dolphins team. And so, by the way, <laughs> and it's a it's a reminder to all the fans out there that listen to Bills and Beers uh, that are not Bills fans, so there's probably five of you. However, uh, it has been a long road of not only uh, our own frustration, however, frustration in the face of the national spotlight. And yeah. any time we have it, we lose it, and we get embarrassed. So just going through and looking at all of our primetime games, which, by the way, first primetime game for C.J. Spiller, first primetime game for Chan Gailey and Fitzpatrick. Just put it out there. Just saying, okay? But as we went back through that list, so we're talking about the 2007 Patriots debacle when they hung 52 or 58 points on our necks en route to their Spygate record-breaking season, also that same season, the Dallas Cowboys debacle, the following season, the missed field goal loss to the Browns on Monday Night Football, the season after that, the 2009 Monday Night home, or not even home opener, opener in Gillette that we lost by one point because Roscoe and or Leotis fumbled the football. I mean, it's just, it's just like last week, just like every Bills loss that means something, every time you get on the primetime stage, or at least for the last 11 years, chances are... We're going to lose in some heart-wrenching way. I mean, we haven't been prime time since the, those drops in that opening game in 2009. This is, a, this is just a, a public safety announcement. Um, people of Chicago, Lily's Bar, Irish Eyes, you know, anything on Lincoln, 
Please be safe on Thursday night. Stay away from the hoodlums that are wearing Buffalo Bills gear after we lose in some gut-wrenching way. Well, either, we'll get, either way, those bars are getting destroyed. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to predictions here in a second, but I don't know if Bills Nation can tolerate another heartbreaking loss. I mean, after that, I mean, the crushing loss of the Tennessee Titans was in in so many ways just like a culmination of everything we've learned to hate about this team. And then last week's loss... I don't know. I've been reading more and more from Bills fans like, I just can't do this anymore. Like, I just, I've, I've had enough. I can't do it. And if it's another game on a national stage where it comes down to a play or an interception or a fumble return for a touchdown that puts us down by one point with 14 seconds to go, you heard it here first, okay? I think Bills Nation is going to have its collective consciousness just broken. So let's set the record straight here. The Buffalo Bills... This is a must-win game. Absolutely. And by must-win, I mean that if we lose this game, there is no chance that we make the playoffs. Literally no chance. There's a mathematical possibility, however, zero chance that we make the playoffs. I, yeah. And who do we play after this, after this week? Indy. So we have two very winnable games coming up. Sure. That's what they're saying as well. Right. So... Well, let's get into predictions here because it's it's uh, and, and again watching this replay that we have here on of the Bills game on I like I've got a lot of faith in this team I've got so much faith in this team I know they can pull it together so I've predicted losses the last two weeks I've been right and I'm calling right now 27-13 Buffalo over Miami at home Thursday night in front of the national spotlight under the lights for Chan Gailey. CJ Spiller is going to have 17 touches and 280 all-purpose yards. Three touchdowns. I think the Bills win 31-21. Okay. Lars, I was going 27-13 all the way. There you go. Say it. Say it. 27-13. 27-13. Well, you got it. Three uh, three predictions for a Bills win this week. Uh, we missed having Jeff Day here. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Day did guarantee. Yeah, and that's true. That's true. Uh, Jeff Day did give it the... Uh, the Jeff Day um, guarantee, and that's not something he has given out in a while. So this is Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills preview podcast, uh, but it's Bills, it's also, also, it's Bills, it's also Beers, and this week's featured beer, the Rocky Mountain Pale Ale, Dale's Pale Ale, uh, brewed and canned by the Oscar Blues Brewery in Longmont, Colorado, home to another beer that I think we had on uh, this year, uh, Left Hand. Opening day beer. Was that our opening? It was day? opening day beer. There you go. So, so we're reversing the curse of the Colorado beer. That's right. Uh, the 2012 season in general reverses thanks to Dale's Pale Ale. If you're over 21, drink responsibly. If you're under 21, ask your parents first. Okay, four predictions for a win. Jay, what's your prediction for this week? Uh, I'm going to say Bills 14, Miami 6. Okay. Okay. Uh, Jay's predicting a real snoozer, but uh, that's that's five predictions for a win for the Bills. I couldn't be more excited. I'm so happy for the short week because I couldn't have waited seven whole days to watch this team play again. It's going to be a party at Lincoln Station. If you're in Chicago, drop by. We sit all the way down front. Go Bills. Go Bills. The Bills make me want to shout.